Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kennedy Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford. They've got a license to talk. Shocking. Positively shocking. And the words are for your ears only. I think you got the point. Welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. On episode 17 of The Words Are Not Enough, Bond 25 finally has a new director, True Detectives Carrie Fukunaga. Veteran Bond scribes Neil Purvis and Robert Wade are recruited for one last assignment, and the Henry Cavill Bond rumors prove to be a story with staying power. Also, we give you our Bond 25 fan casting. All this and more coming your way now. What is up, Bond fans, and welcome to The Words Are Not Enough. I am one of your hosts, Griffin008 Schiller. And I'm Brody005, son of volume. There we go. We do it a little different. You know, every single time it's like, you know, sometimes I introduce you, sometimes I don't. Um, (laughs) And today I didn't. So I'm glad you picked up on the cue and we're just able to roll with it. Of course. Yeah, I'm always, I'm just like (laughs) here to pick up cues. (laughs) Yes, yes. But anyways, uh, if you are new to the show, this is a James Bond podcast. We talk about all the latest and greatest in our favorite spy franchise. Um, And we do have a lot of news today. But first, Brody, I got a very important question for you. Yes. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, no, I, I was just telling you before we started, I got a new TV today, so I'm uh, mm. pretty excited just to use it. <laughs> but, um, right. Yeah. Other than that, like, yeah, no, it's been a pretty... I, I've been sick this week, so it's just been... I, I'm still probably I'm a little sick right now, but yeah. so excuse if I'm talking through my nose, uh, my apologies, but... If he has a very nasally voice, then now you yeah. know. Exactly. More nasally than usual, anyway. <laughs> than usual. <laughs> hey, well, and you know what? At least you're not wearing a, uh, a white V-neck, because apparently whenever I do anything associated with recording videos, I'm just fucking wearing a white V-neck. It's just become a staple of mine. I did not intentionally try to do this. Oh but uh, welcome to the Words Are Not Enough, where we only wear white V-necks. Of course. Well, actually, I'm not even wearing a white V-neck. <laughs> I am, it's because I had to turn my air off uh, to record, because my desk is right next to the uh, Ladies and gentlemen, he's shirtless. <laughs> well, I'm wearing I'm wearing my undershirt, and it is kind of a V-neck, so... Oh, my God. This literally yeah. is the show where we only wear white V-necks. <laughs> we look like a bunch of, like, Russian mobsters. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even want <laughs> Next thing you know, we're going to be, we're going to start having the track suits and shaving right? our heads. Yeah, we'll have to wear gold chains. We might, we may even be Bond villains eventually. Oh my god. Who knows? Depends on what part of the world they're going for. Right. Well, wow, what a throwback. We'll, uh, what that'll a make sense. throwback. That'll make sense in a few minutes. <laughs> it will be. Well, in maybe not a few minutes. Maybe like, you know, 20 minutes or so. That's like the last story we're tackling. Or second to last, I guess Stay I tuned say. to see what that means. Right, right. So what's the first Bond film you're going to wa- watch on your TV? Oh, good question. I'm actually kind of in the mood for a, a Roger Moore film. I might end up watching like Live and Let Die. Oh, no kidding! Interesting. Yeah, I, I don't know. I'm just like, I'm just vibing with it. It's like we're getting towards Halloween. I get like a Halloween vibe from it. So, I, you know, it's I always get like a Halloween vibe from that film. And I know like last year we did we, that, yeah. we covered that film for Halloween. That was like our Halloween special. Um, which I, I mean, it makes sense. It's got like the supernatural and the voodoo stuff in it, but like it, like realistically, there's like nothing Halloween about it. Yet it just <laughs> puts you in that mindset for whatever yeah, reason. No, it has like all that occult stuff, so it just feels right. Yeah, and Baron Samity feels like he's a Halloween costume come to life. So 
Right. I mean, I mean, he is very um, festive, if you will. <laughs> Speaking yeah. of Halloween, yes. I, I just put a new uh, scented wax in my, um, uh, you know, wax melter oh, to make wow. my room smell nice. Um, <laughs> it's uh, very fall. It, it may or may not be like pumpkin spice something. So my wow. room now smells like a pumpkin spice latte. It smells so. like Starbucks. <laughs> yes. Yes, of course. I, I mean, I wouldn't have it any other way. <laughs> Oh my god. I actually have a candle as well. Since we're talking about candles now, I have a candle. The candles are not enough. <sighs> the candles are not enough. It is There we go. We made the joke. We d- we have to do it once an episode and we did it right off the bat. We got it out so of the way good. early, you know. Yeah, mine's actually under the pine tree. It's like a Christmas one. I'm like, under the pine tree. Yeah, I'm ready <laughs> that for sounds Christmas. like a fucking like super like I, I, that sounds like a, a like a film title. Like I, I guess because it reminds me of the place beyond the pines. So it's like <laughs> it makes me. Yeah, it's like, it sounds like it's a really bad like like Christmas comedy starring Tim Allen. <laughs> 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 Fucking Tim. Yeah, it's like this Christmas Tim Allen is going festive or like so, I I don't know. He's oh, like Jesus. he's going a wall. It's like a guy who like, like sells Christmas trees and he's like. <laughs> He's trying to make enough money to buy his kids like a great present, um, oh but like the Christmas tree business has been horrible this year. Everyone's so he has buying to buying plastic. Like right, that. everyone's buying plastic. We're gonna make it very topical, and so he has to like break out his book of like marketing tactics and like <laughs> you know selling tactics. This go feels door real. to door. Is this, I think is we this just like a screenplay that you've like secretly written. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the script for it is actually in the drawer right next to me. Right, yeah, I've been waiting for you right to now. just you know break out this this uh, <laughs> this title from under the pine tree. Um, yeah, so you can look for this uh, in Christmas of 2020 after we have our Bond fix. Well, right. Well, it's actually taking. It's actually going to be in 2019. It's taking Bond's traditional November spot. Yeah, we <laughs> we actually called up Eon. We were like, "Listen, I got a really great Christmas film that I yeah. think should re- replace the Bond film you slot. You don't want to go make a lot of money. Thing. Yeah, no, so absolutely not. Are you kidding me? From Under the Pine Tree with Tim <laughs> Allen, that's a guaranteed like sixty million dollars opening weekend. Holy shit, <laughs> guaranteed. Oh you like pitch it as like the spiritual sequel to the Santa Claus. Oh my god! Yeah, well, that's what I was thinking. I was thinking like like from the producers of the Santa Claus. Like, yeah. <laughs> but but here's the thing: it's gonna be uh, it's actually gonna be put out by Eon. Oh, they they're go. like, yeah. well, fuck, we have the slot. Might as well put up something festive. They're branching out. They're gonna, they're doing Bond films and Christmas films. <laughs> <laughs> we have a cameo from George Lazenby. <laughs> Actually, He's not the, doing anything. That should be the tagline. The tagline should be branch out this Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure, wow. Sure. I didn't think this show was going to get derailed that easily. Wow. But, um, these candles, man. You know, these candles, up. they're having a. Well, in my case, it's just scented fucking wax, <laughs> but. <laughs> <laughs> and we and it just like I anyways yes so this is a James Bond podcast yes. uh, in case you d- had no thanks for idea. tuning in <laughs> thanks for tuning in I know I, now that you understand what we're working towards um, from under the pine tree or whatever the <laughs> fuck it's called um, Tim Allen if you're listening uh, be sure to hit us up we we want you in the film um, the script is already <laughs> finished it's been finished for several years it's now it's kind so. of a it was almost like a just I just noticed you did like a little reverse of you to a kill there so like it was a originally under the pine tree and you've added from 
Whereas the the movie removed from from the short story title, so oh yes, yeah, yeah. we, we yeah. got to work Bond back in there. Yeah. Well, here's we, we will be back in there, for. but but here's the ultimate question: Do we use from or do we just use under the pine? No, it has to be from under the pine tree. That that just rolls off the tongue. I think a little bit. It really bit does. Better. It sounds like a Christmas song. Yeah, that's perfect. <laughs> so there you go, Eon. There's your next Christmas film for for November of 2019 because Christmas films start coming out after Thanksgiving. Of course. Um, yes. Or before Thanksgiving, before Thanksgiving, just sometime in November. <clears throat> Anyways, to get us back on track, yes. So we are a Bond podcast, and we always start off with the news in a segment we like to call Tomorrow Never Lies. So the big story that we're yes. going to be starting with, and really the reason we are, are doing this episode today, um, has to do with a new director for Bond 25. So Excellent. as you may know... Um, after the unexpected departure of director Danny Boyle from Bond 25, Eon and co. have been on the hunt for a replacement, and it seems as though they've finally found one. So earlier today, and today is September 20th, for those of you listening, um, the producers put out an official statement regarding who will be directing the next Bond film. The statement says the following... Michael G. Wilson, Barbara Broccoli, and Daniel Craig announced today that Bond 25 will begin filming at Pinewood Studios on March 4th, 2019, under the helm of director Kerry Joji Fukunaga, with a worldwide release date of February 14th, 2020. Um, and then we have a quote here from Michael G. Wilson. We are delighted to be working with Kerry. His versatility and innovation make him an excellent choice for our next James Bond adventure. Um, I'm sorry, that's actually a joint quote from Michael G. Wilson and Barbara Broccoli. They said it in unison. Like. Yes, they did. They, they both um, just, they, they like counted down. They did like mm-hmm. finger cues and everything. It was like a children um, of the corn kind of thing. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Children so of the it broccoli. Seemed, children of the broccoli. That's very appropriate. So it seems that the True Detective Season 1 and Beast of No Nation director, Kerry Fukunaga, will be taking over for Danny Boyle and using the script penned by Neil Purvis and Robert Wade. Now, that was not in the official announcement, but we're going to get to that story in a little bit later on. Mm-hmm. So um, it's also interesting because Kerry Fukunaga has a, a new miniseries dropping on Netflix um, either tomorrow, uh, Friday the 21st, or, or tonight at midnight, however you want to look at it. Um, <laughs> what is it called? Maniac. It's starring Jonah Hill and Emma Stone. Yep, so awesome. I'll be really interested to see how that turns out. It's been getting uh, a pretty good praise recently. So we'll get a little bit of Kerry Fukunaga before Bond 25. Uh, Brody. I want to get your thoughts on this choice, and I, I want to know what you think it could possibly mean for Bond 25, getting a, a director like Kerry Fukunaga, who is very particular in his visions for projects. He's not usually someone who wants to compromise. In fact, I think that's part of the reason he left um, uh, it yes, yeah. uh, over over some creative differences there. And so it's a, it's a really curious choice for him to go into a franchise like Bond, which is very producer-driven, even though the mm-hmm. directors do have their voices heard, uh, I, I just want to know, uh, you know, is this going to be a situation where, like, you know, three months down the line, uh, we're going to get an announcement saying Fukunaga is off the project, or do you think that they are very just, they just happen to be very much on the same page with what they want for the film? I, I, this is the thing that that's been like the talking point ever since this news sort of came out was yeah. that oh well he's like famous for leaving projects um or being kicked off projects or that kind of like you know that kind of stuff um for me because like I think not only that he was like he was on the alienist at one point that that TV show 
Right. Yeah, I believe so. Got removed from that or like left that or something like that. Well, I mean, um, you know, he even had creative issues on season one of True Detective. Like for as, as well, great yeah. as that season was and for as integral of a role in its success he, he played. Um, I mean, there's a reason you he know, never came back. Yeah, exactly. Right. No, I, and that's the thing. And I, I, but I think that's overblown. I think, um, and I could be wrong. I could be proven wrong tomorrow. But uh, I get the feeling that after the sort of like mild embarrassment of Danny Boyle leaving, they would not pick someone that they weren't on the same page with. Um, that, that's what I think. I think that, like they they weird. had to have like had several talks with him. Yeah, exactly. Uh, regarding it, and and you know they conveyed what they want, and I. You know, Fuganaga obviously probably has visions for what he wants. Maybe they made some sort of compromise, or or maybe he just happens to really like the direction they want to go in. Well, that's what, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Just because, so you have like I think what differentiates this from the Danny Boyle situation is that in the Daniel Boyle situation, they really wanted Danny Boyle, but Danny Boyle was like, well, I really want John Hodge, and mm-hmm. so they made a compromise on John Hodge for Danny Boyle, and. It was less about like being on the same page and more about we want this guy, we'll let him do what he wants. Sure. Um, but I, I will say, and this is part of our next story, that John Hodge apparently was only retooling the original Purvis and Wade script. Like he, right, the, the, the general idea was there. But retooling still could like, he could change key details without sure, like, yeah, changing the yeah. entire script. And... But I think the that's core story worth, was still there. That, you were right, and I think that as it stands, I think he was changing things that there were that were uh, deal breakers for the Broncos. Well, sure, yeah, that, um, that seems to be the thing, and especially with Daniel Craig. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think there's because uh, everyone's always talking like, oh, well, he left. He left some creative differences, and that's pretty much been every reason um, Fukunaga's like left anything. So, you know, what gives? And I think, I don't know. I I, I don't I don't see that being an issue. I don't, I don't see that being an issue at all in this in this situation. I think sure. they hired him because they know they like they they want someone to do their own vision. I don't think that was a lie. I, I think they, they 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 had a really good experience with Sam Mendes, who was doing the exact same thing, sort of bringing his vision to the screen. I just mm-hmm. think there was certain like it wasn't so much that he had his own vision that bothered them about. Um, Danny Boyle I think it was that his vision did not align with what they were like going for and I, I don't think they're going to have an issue I don't think they're going to step on his toes too much is what I'm trying to get at I guess I think they, right. they're, they're going to sort of talk this through well, they would have already talked this through and we, I think they're going to let him go yeah. and make his film and that, that's, that'll be the extent of it I think I, I think it was just it was a very sort of um, ass backwards kind of process with the Danny Boyle thing which ended up sure. leading to uh, more differences than they were anticipating right well my my hope is that, that you know makes any sense. <laughs> right no 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 I, I get I get what you're saying my, my hope is that you know with Danny Boyle it seemed like they were trying to go back to um maybe classic bond in a way like they were they were trying to you know take what people loved about like the retro films and maybe adapt it for like a modern audience. At least that's kind of the vibe I got from it. And based off of what Danny Boyle had said, um, it seems like, because he has such a reverence for the franchise, it seemed like maybe that was a direction he wanted to go in. Mm. And then we have someone like Kara Fuganaga who makes these really rich and like thought-provoking pieces. I, I mean, I, you know, uh, I, I've heard people 
really consider him a, in a, like a like a, a mainstream art house director, which you know is kind of weird to think about, but it, it almost makes sense because he's so particular in what he wants, and like his ventures are so. Uh, you know, deep and introspective with with the characters and whatnot, mm-hmm. and um, and 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 I think it's exactly what Bond needs. I, I mean, hopefully, it'll go back to like you you know the the dark and grittiness of like say uh, Skyfall and Casino Royale, but it'll be I, I guess more like of a in, in line with what Fukunaga is doing, um, in in his projects. So that's what really excites me about. Him being, you know, the the guy to helm the project because I just feel like it's so not like it was the last thing I would have expected. Like I never in a million years would have expected Carrie Fukunaga to be announced mm-hmm. as the director for a James Bond film because you listen, you hear it, and you're like, okay, I can see it, but I just it's it's got to be really they got to be doing really interesting stuff with the characters which for me that's what excites me the most absolutely yeah and then then that's kind of like he's kind of a perfect director for daniel craig's bond in in the way he was pre-specter i guess Um, sure yeah because specter kind of like brought things back to like a more classic place in terms of the character um yeah the way it treated the character within the confines of the story what really what what I think um you can sort of pass from um Fukunaga's like extensive well somewhat extensive filmography is that he is someone who really like sort of loves wallowing in that kind of I don't know oh you look at True Detective and that that, that show just like sort of wallows it's pretty in grim its own, yeah yeah in grimness and not in a way that's like. Like grim, dark. Oh, I'm so. Broody. But it's just like really like, fascinating. Yeah, you know? it's more of like a character study. He he deals with yeah. characters, especially like male characters who are very damaged. And sure. Yeah. I think that's that's Bond, especially like the Daniel Craig, the way Daniel Craig has played him, the way the, he's written in the books. That is right. Bond, and I think it just it makes so much sense, and I'm like ashamed of myself for having not thought of it sooner because when you say like like it. When you when you pitch me a Bond movie in the style of True Detective season one, and I go, oh, oh yeah, of course, it's genius, yeah, amazing. of course, yeah. yeah. And I almost think, in retrospect, as much as I love Danny Boyle, and I would have loved a Danny Boyle Bond film, and I would sure. still well, love to see one. you know, it, it um, still might be in the cards later down exactly, the road. Exactly, I'd, I'd still like to see one eventually one day. Yeah. Um, but it almost feels like he uh, Fuganaga is a much, much better fit. For the material, I absolutely agree. Well, yeah. and, and you know, and it's even, funny you mention like, that because oh yeah, oh sorry, I don't mean to cut you off there. I, I would, but like, um, so I saw a an article from a think piece actually from the Hollywood Reporter earlier mm. today saying, um, you know, with someone like Fukunaga on there, maybe we'll actually get like, you know, the the. the the curse of being James Bond, like what he has to deal with. Cause you know, we always look at the glamorous side of it, but I think with someone like Fuganaga, who's not afraid to go into the more darker, um, aspects of people, we'll be able to see that toll that it takes on him. And like, exactly. Yeah. You know, and that's kind of really like dive into been, like, yeah, yeah, his whole tenure has kind of been focused on that in a way. And that's sure. why I think some people felt that, Spectre was a bit of a betrayal of that because it was kind of like, okay, we got past that and now here's this. And it's like, well, right, you sort of right. set up four films where he was really tortured and you've got to sort of deal with that Yeah, it, it was, it's, it's almost like they've, 
like you said, it's, it's like they've been building towards this. And, yeah. you know, with the exception of Spectre, this really does feel like, you know, I, I mean, we know nothing about the story. We know nothing about the just direction. Based on his, just like, based off of the choice yeah. of Kerry Fukunaga and what he excels in, um, this just feels like the logical way to cap off Craig's run for the character. Absolutely. The, every film, with the exception of Spectre, and even Spectre to an extent, has been very, you know, introspective on Bond, deconstructing the character in a way, I going from, agree. you know, yeah. him being this merciless killer, um, his relationships and how that's affected him emotionally. So we've we've dealt with the romance side of the character. Now let's deal with the, the killing side of it. You and know, that, him being such a cold and callous individual. Absolutely. And I think what, um, because they kind of touch on that a little bit with like the whole assassin thing, yeah. Inspector. I don't really go anywhere with it. But um, what I've said for the longest time, because you kind of have to resolve in one way or another, whether it's an offhanded line or something else, you have to deal with the way Spectre ended, right? Sure. Yeah. Uh, and I think I've said on the podcast before, and I've said it before, definitely in private, but I think the way to handle Madeline is to, like, you know, to kill her off, per mm-hmm. se. I've sort of come around on that. I think that might be a little... I mean, obviously a little cliche considering right. just killing the girlfriend is a bit of a, a lame cliche. Mm-hmm. But on top of that, I think it's also been done in the franchise before. Um, it, I it's, think, it's always like the trigger for him to like become even more right. emotionally yeah, unstable. Yeah, I think that yeah. would be lazy. I think what you have to do is, and you're talking about like the curse of Bond, what you have to do is essentially come to the conclude bond has to come to the conclusion that he can't have the life that he wants to have you yeah. know what i mean and that that's the that's the, the sacrifice the curse whatever you want to call it that he yeah. has to come to terms with and that sounds like a story just based off of what we've seen from um Fukunaga in the plot in the past that sounds like a story he could tell and might even like like i would go so far as to say probably will tell just based on i agree with the kind you. of characters yeah. he's written or you know directed in the past and sure. I would love to see that, and I'd love to see it. it like it could almost, in a in a way, add a little extra depth to that relationship from Spectre, and like take those threads and really bring it to another place. Right. Uh, and well, and I mean, material of it, which would be really really right. cool to see. Uh, one more it, thing I was going to say, real quick, just sure. going back to the Danny Boyle thing, real fast, um, was that I think what makes the difference for me is like as much as like again, I love Danny Boyle, and I'd love to see him do one. But especially when you're doing, when you're dealing with Daniel Craig's Bond, I think Fukunaga has this like really Fukunaga. His his name is so hard to say. Um, <laughs> it's so hard to say. Um, but especially when you're like just trying to get the sentence out. Sure. But, oh oh um, yeah, I know. It does not roll off the tongue easily. Right, because you either want to like do two Ks or you want to do two Gs. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So it's either Fukunaga or it's Fukunaka. You know? So yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think my yeah, turn around the yeah. K and the G is too much. But um. No, so uh, what I think like, makes like the, the difference between the two of them is you have this really frenetic, sort of hyperactive style that Danny Boyle is famous for, um, which might have been like, which I could have seen working in a Bond film, and I still could see working in a Bond film, but it would have been a departure, you know what I mean? Sure. Whereas I feel like Fukunaga well, and, has and this... And that's why I say I feel like, like it, it lends itself more to like a classic Bond feel in a weird way. Uh, Fukunaga does? Oh no no not Fugan uh Boyle. Well I see I feel, I feel like I feel like Boyle is almost completely on the other end like it's like it's very frantic very kind of almost um like I feel like a Boyle's film would 
like would the, I'm, I'm sorry what say that again I was gonna say like a little it's a little like, like like frenetic a little like crass almost in the way it's like sort of like hits you like a train where I feel like sure well, Fukunaga well, style could almost it, it almost it is very bleak in some uh-huh. senses but in this in the same sense it's bleak but in like an almost romantic way in a very stylish like bond is very bleak and stylish and like all these things is a contradiction and i think his hmm. style reflects that almost a little bit better um which sure it almost I get feels that. more classic in line with the classic style but also in line with it's a perfect marriage almost between the classic style and then like like the bleakness that was sort of established in the earlier craig films hmm. but i don't know I could be wrong. I, I, that's just kind of the vibe I get. Um, the, no, the, the I mean, that's... Impression. Yeah, I mean, that's right. Well, and it should be noted that... Yeah, yeah I, it should Fuganaga stay on the project, which I, I don't think there's any reason to believe otherwise. I but think then again, believe, yeah. who knows? Um, we were, <laughs> we're already getting people with think pieces at, like, the oh, ready course, to yeah. fucking call them out for leaving like, or whatever. You get him, and then you also get, like, the, the reputation that the, this movie has gotten for, like, hemorrhaging people. And yeah, you're well, bound to get it's just ridiculous, too. honestly, because <laughs> it's just like, okay, so Danny Boyle and John Hodge departed over creative differences. That's something that happens in Hollywood, folks. Course, yeah. And just because it happens once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. We're not dealing with a Sony or a Warner Brothers here. Um, yeah, it, I think it's only know, just it's, because they don't of have this exactly reputation. <laughs> I think that Th- that that's yeah. where it, yeah. But it should be. It, it's interesting to know. I think he it, he if. He will be the um, the first American director to take on a film, yeah, if I'm not mistaken. Which is, pretty interesting. Which is insane because, like, you you yeah. look the, the, just the long history of it. You're like, wow, they've never had an American director do one of these films, um, which understandably so. But still, you, you would think that, especially during the '90s, maybe one of them would have. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I know. It's like it is kind of strange. It's kind of strange when you think there's been two New Zealander. Like two Kiwis have directed Bond films, which yeah, is a, yeah, an it is interesting number. Like, but yeah, no, but yeah. I mean, it's because because who directed um the whoever did Die Another Day? I always forget his name. Um, oh um, uh, well, shit, I always forget his name. Yeah, I, there's I a reason it, we forget um, his name, but he's Lee Tamahori. I think he's it's Lee Tamahori. Yes, yeah. he's the only other one that's that's not um like British or uh you know he's not from the Commonwealth. I guess you could say no, no, he's he's New Zealander. Is he? Lee Tamahori's in, from New Zealand, and so is um, uh, Martin Campbell. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. Well, regardless, sorry, we don't know exactly. I, I at least I don't know exactly where some of these directors are from. But no, nah, that's nice. Regardless, it is it it is interesting to note that Fukunaga would mark the um, the yeah, first American is, director. It's really interesting considering how British they've sort of gone with a lot of their um, behind the camera sort of. I don't want to say casting, but you know what I mean. Like, sure, the, the people they've gotten and the, like they really seem to be skewing towards uh, homegrown talent in terms of oh, we got Sam Mendes and Sam Mendes. Right, they had Adele Danny Boyle like, on there. Yeah, Danny and, Boyle yeah. is like keeping it in the family, kind of. Um, yeah, I mean, so literally the only the yeah. the only person missing was like Christopher Nolan. That's like the other like big British director at the right. moment. And you he's know? British American, so it'd be a, it'd be right. So I guess it would be like an interesting. Little thing there, but all um, that title from Nolan. Nolan, yes, damn you. (laughs) No, um, but anyways, so yeah, that's that's really all there is to cover regarding Carrie Fukunaga. Obviously, we'll keep an eye on this story as it unfolds and we get more details, but I think both of us are definitely, um, very excited for this. I I think it's a very inspired cast or not casting, uh, a directorial choice, Mm -hmm. and I'm I, I can't wait to see where it goes. I think we're gonna get a really 
interesting character study on Bond, which is exactly what I wanted for um, for 25. So with that, let's move on to the next story, which I alluded to in our previous story, which is the script. Neil Purvis, mm. Robert Wade. So following the departure of Danny Boyle from the next Bond installment, John Hodge naturally exited the project as screenwriter. So and I, I kind of touched on this a little bit in the previous story, but apparently Hodge's treatment was a retooling of the original Purvis and Wade script that had already been approved by Broccoli and Wilson prior to Boyle and Hodge coming on to the project. So now, according to Basba McBoyer from the Daily Mail and James Bond news site MI6HQ.com, Purvis and Wade will be returning to Bond 25, which is great for them because now they have jobs. <laughs> but so the, the writing duo are supposedly touching up the script with changes that reflect the wishes of the producers and Daniel Craig. According to McBoyer, he says the following, there's a keenness for women to be more front and center in Bond 25, which is interesting. Um, and I think that's about all there is there. But anyways, Brody, what do we make of all of uh, all of this news, these rumblings, and, and now hearing that Hodge's script was just a retooling of Purvis and Wade's? Does that make us more confident in the overall story? Uh, do, you, do you feel like the core idea they have is strong and just they need to, you know, tweak it a little bit here or there? Just, I guess, what are your overall thoughts on, on this topic here um well i feel like we already we've heard like rumors about this stuff and i mean i guess this is still a rumor this is like the daily mail right i mean they had, nothing has been confirmed and, like i right, mean yeah and even though it's probably that, very likely hot like it I has never been confirmed that hodge's script was well, just right. a retooling yeah, exactly and i think um I don't know. This is the thing. Like, first of all, I don't. I, I know what's his name, Baz. He's been um, Big Boy. He's been like touting, uh, touted as like a bit of an insider. I yeah. still don't trust the Daily it, Mail. Right. It's still a tabloid. Yeah. Um. Yeah. And and on top of that, I think and maybe this might be wishful thinking. I just don't want Purvis and Wade to be doing it. But, um, I, I'm sure their idea is strong. I mean, they've they've never been they've never like been bad idea people. They've just been kind of bad at executing ideas on their own sure um yeah i, I don't know and i i think it would be uh, again I, I everyone said this before i um they need fresh blood all that kind of thing but what i find is interesting is you'd think they, they did like a like a thread of tweets for this release right they're like it's gonna be moved we didn't mention when it's being moved to it's been moved to valentine's day 2020 oh shit yeah you're right we did not touch on that yeah which which, Wait, yeah, what do you think of that? Uh, I hate it. That's a terrible, terrible... I, I just hate the idea of a bomb movie I get it. in February. I like... Whatever. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, we look at something like Black Panther or like Deadpool. That's exactly films why can, there, yeah. Right. I mean, like, films can succeed there. And, like, I, I, I get I'm it. So they don't want to, like, push it back further than they already have to. Yeah. I just think, like, that's just such a trash month for a movie to come out. Like, <laughs> Well, I don't say not, not anymore. Not anymore, I guess. But, like, I mean, I, I just... What, you don't want to spend you don't want to spend Valentine's Day with Bond? Oh, I won't well, when you put it like that. But See? Come on, there you go. <laughs> now I you're getting like turned on like to the, the idea. End, I like spending the end of November with Bond, but uh we'll begin in November. But um Yeah, I don't know. I just I yeah, that, that I don't like that very much. But I'll I'll live. It's fine. Um I guess it's better getting it early than having to wait the whole of twenty twenty to get it. Um, right. And and that's the thing. Like they probably want to get it out right before the election. <laughs> they release they release it in November. It's a little too um, have to share the headlines with whatever happens in twenty twenty. So sure, yeah, um, yeah. 
But, uh, and maybe this script hinges on the, like, there definitely being a Trump presidency. <laughs> but, um, but anyway, so, um, I don't know. I, I, I just it thought it was interesting that they had this big, long thread of announcements and they didn't announce who was writing it. You know what that I mean? That was the one thing that, yeah, that stuck out to me too. Usually, they did not like, because they, they, when they announced Danny Boyle, they said John Hodges writing it. And, like, I feel like they've done that. I think they did that with um, Skyfall, like Sam Mendes. And also, we got John Logan. And, like, right. And it was weird that they didn't announce a writer. So part of me thinks, yeah, they're probably still using some of the ideas that Purvis and Way were kicking around. And, yeah, I'm sure John Hodge used some of those ideas just because. I mean, he was working for Eon, and I'm sure Eon has their own ideas. Sure. Um, part of me thinks that they're probably just going to let um, Fukunaga get a writer that he's comfortable with working with, and maybe he'll retool some of those ideas from the, the Purpose yeah. and Wade script. It'll it'll be um, kind of like a Sam Mendes Skyfall situation where it's like they I have that's what great. they that's, yeah. That's like you bring up that even goes back to like um, like Casino Royale with sure. um. Ah oh, man, I always forget. Uh, Haggis, um, uh, Paul Haggis, Paul Haggis—that's his name. Yeah, um, yeah. So I, I, I love that. I, I've said this before. I've said it again. Um, Purvis and Wade are better when someone takes their ideas and writes a better script with them. Yeah. And so, if if that's what they're going with, and the fact that they haven't announced Purvis and Wade is promising for me as someone who doesn't want them <laughs> to do it, but. Again, maybe if the if the idea was this good, right, and everyone's in love with it, mm-hmm. maybe it's good. Like I'm not saying they're incapable of writing something good on their own. Um, maybe it it's is just kind of hard to think that someone like Fukunaga, or Jesus Christ, I'm doing it now too. Fukunaga, right? Is, it's like yeah. it's uh, yeah. It's times. hard to think that someone like him <laughs> would just go with what they already have written. You know what just I'm saying? With, like, I feel a, right. He's exactly. a, he's a writer himself. Like yeah. And they were. I mean, hell, for a he might. He, right. They were I mean, for a exactly. So, so, which makes me think that maybe he'll go in and do his retooling right. of what they originally Ooh, have already done. Chills. I just got chills. Anyone I love chills? it. No, I, I, absolutely. <laughs> I, I, I mean, we've already expressed our love for the for the guy in the previous segment, but like, I feel like him doing that is probably exactly what they need. Um, which mm-hmm. means that. Purvis and Wade technically won't be like full on screenwriters, but I'm sure they'll get story credit. So For sure, yeah. I, once again, this this stuff here, I should note, this stuff here came out before the Fukunaga announcement. Oh, so there you go. Yeah, it's it's still on the you know which way is this true or not? But it still is important to note the thing I want to point out here: uh, the keenness for women to be more front and center in Bond 25. What do you make of that? Do you think there's any credence to it? Um, do you oh. think that's just a no-brainer? or Absolutely a no-brainer. I mean, yeah. first of all, let's just remember that like the Bond films have been sort of fighting off this Bond girl stereotype since like the 70s. So, sure. <laughs> like... There's always been a, like a, a, a an emphasis on like, well, we're gonna give the every Bond girl, every actress who becomes a Bond girl says, my Bond girl's different from the average Bond girl. Like, mm-hmm. she's actually got like brains, and like at this point, they pretty much all are very competent people. Um, well, and they, if you and go back to what last, at least the last 20, 20 plus years, have they've like Bond girls have been very prominent. Like, especially you look at like characters like Vespa, you look at characters like um, Natalia in Goldeneye, like yeah. Characters who have like actual emotional depth to them, yeah. Um, 
and like a, a purpose in the story beyond like getting rescued or whatever. Sure. So I think there's always been an emphasis on that, but absolutely after the Me Too thing, you you'd be an idiot to like not. Oh, of course, yeah. And especially I mean, in, a, they- in a series that has been like had, has had like checkered past with sexism. You want a hundred percent want to come out in front of that and say, okay, we're not making the Bond girl and then and our post Me Too movie a brainless like well and I, like I think we're we're, we're honest to god meat, past you know? that yeah oh, like no, you were absolutely. saying we're, we're past that especially with the craig films like you've got well, people you like camille like, you've got people like vesper absolutely. in skyfall the bond girl you can make an argument was m like absolutely was m yeah so I mean, it's like yeah and even in even like in severine had like one two three scenes you know and she had like a, a ton of like well, she really was someone who was stuff. dealing with 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 like abuse, which is very topical now. Right? Yeah, and you know, I think the only reason you want to come out in front of it is because one of the chief criticisms of Spectre was their relationship was undercooked, and Madeline really suffered for that um, as sure. a as a character. And so I think you de- they're, 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 this is just a Hollywood wide problem. Um, Hollywood has a real hard time writing supporting female characters that aren't just there as a surprise. <laughs> so. I think, I think it makes a lot of sense. I think Barbara Broccoli, as as a woman, as a female producer, would probably be very conscious of that. Um, Absolutely, not that, yeah. Like not that she had like her being a woman means that that's the only reason she'd be conscious of that. But no, but I mean, she, I think she public has added, statements she's made. Absolutely, lean yeah, it would towards be that. Bad on her yeah. if she was like sort of. Just sort of, you know, I don't really care. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the other thing is, is when we we talked about the casting, you know, um, announcements that were posted. Yes. If if the the script is still kind of in line with what Boyle had, then obviously we're gonna get like kind of like a femme fatale, like main female henchman villain. I think which was one of the the um the roles they were looking at casting for. Yeah. Um, and then obviously like the the main Bond girl, I think. Um, I think they may just like, and this here's the thing, right? Um, with the whole women front and center, that I'm kind of thinking. Sorry to cut you off. No, um, no, no, no. I was finished that thought, even though it didn't sound like it. But <laughs> <laughs> you ended on an inflection, so I wasn't too sure. But um, yeah, no. So I think in addition to that, obviously you have like a femme fatale character, and you have like a Bond girl. You know what I mean? Like the, the classic Brosnan formula. Like you need the two, and then. But I think. What this may indicate is that I think they're just they're gonna they're gonna try and populate Bond's world with other female characters who aren't just either the Bond girl or the femme fatale. You know what I mean? Oh, like absolutely. Had, they're more complicated than like that. Years. Yeah. You had M for years who was like kind of a nice break from that in that she was the boss and she just happened to be a woman. And I think you're gonna start seeing like there will just be other people in play within the story who are neither the villain or the you know the the heroine who sure. are women just sure. like, you, know, you walk around mi6 maybe double you know fucking eight is a woman you know what i mean like just in, in yeah. passing you know what i mean i think that's quite kind of what it means i think they're just gonna start populating their world with more fe- maybe one of the one of the people he meets up with on assignment is a woman and she's not a bond sure. girl she's not a romantic lead she's just someone who happens to be a woman who bond yeah. needs to like sort of interact with for his assignment i think that's yeah i mean you could take that. like a you could yeah. take like a um like a pussy, pussy galore girl. type character, but like just like take out the romantic interest, you know? Yeah, I think yeah, just like Bond can meet women without having to 
have any kind of romantic tension with them. I Absolutely. think that may yeah. be where they. I mean, not that they're going to remove romantic tension from the movie. I can already see like the keyboard warriors going Bond, blah, blah, blah. Like, no. but yeah, but. Bond can have a romantic lead in the movie, and he, like almost one hundred percent will. Um, but yeah, just like filling out other roles with women, just sure, you know, and having yeah. having Bond like bone every single one of them for the like sake of you know achieving a number, you know. Yeah. So yeah. I'm all for that. That sounds great. I'm, yep, it's a smart thing to do, and it's also just like the right thing to do. So, sure, yeah, yeah no, I I can get behind that as well. But anyways, for the sake of time, we'll move on to our next two stories here. Don't want to spend too much time on them, but they are interesting. Uh, they have to deal with uh, potential casting slash and um, actors being involved with the franchise. The first yes. one deals with uh, Dave Batista. He's been in the news a lot recently, um, mainly oh, for man. Guardians, but in this case, we're going to be talking about his involvement in the Bond franchise. So the last we saw of Dave Batista's henchman, Mr. Hinks Inspector, he was getting pulled off the speeding train in <laughs> Morocco. Yeah, I presumably he was killed, but many fans were um, speculating that he it might not have been the end for the character, which I don't know. You take that as you will. But it turns <laughs> out that Dave Batista himself also believes in the character's survival. During the press tour for his latest film, Final Score, which coincidentally stars former Bond Pierce Brosnan, Batista commented on the potential return of Mr. Hinks in Bond 25 saying the following. We had hopes and they had mentioned it, but yeah, still have kind of hopes. I hear it's been pushed, so maybe there's a chance. He then went on to say, yeah, I want to be in Bond 25. I've been very open and political about it, like I've pursued this role. I would love to revive Hanks in Bond 25. I want to be part of it because it's a historical film. There's a huge part of me that wants to wants the bragging rights of being the henchman who came back twice because there hasn't been many, and I want to be the guy. I want to be historical, you know? Uh, it should we, we should mention that with Richard Keel's Jaws being the only Bond henchman thus far to return in the franchise, playing a part in both The Spy Who Loved Me and Moonraker, Bautista would certainly be making Bond history. So, Brody, I have to mm -hmm. turn to you. What are your thoughts on the return of Mr. Hinks in Bond 25, and what are the chances the actual character does return? I think if... I, I, first of all, I love that idea. I think that's great. I love little bits of continuity um i if they bring if they use specter again if specter is a a force in some way in this film hell yeah use batista that'd be great yeah um it would make sense it would because yeah i think him getting thrown out of the train is very jaws-esque i think i mean jaws literally got thrown out of a train and then survived so i think sure. You well, and there were already like comparisons that were being made to Jaws and um, in Hanks, yeah. you know, simply because they didn't talk and they were just big, imposing and people. We saw, we saw him get like he was in a car crash midway through Spectre, and he survived that. And like, yeah, see, he already had like a bit of a, a penchant for doing that. Um, so yeah, I think that'd be totally within the realm of plausibility for the character. And he was one of my favorite parts of Spectre. Um, I would love to see him get a rematch. I'd love to just sort of see yeah, it's always how fun. that plays out. I think it would. I think it would just depend on whether or not they're using Spectre in some capacity. Um, I don't want him to force him in just to yeah. like sort of get him in there. But if 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 he's organically, if if, if Spectre's organically part of the story, use Batista and use um, Hanks because 
I mean, you've got this guy who really wants to be part of it. Yeah, I love that's that's where I was gonna go. That's where I was gonna go with it. I love his enthusiasm his for it. You can so tell that he enjoyed yeah. playing the character and he loved being part of the franchise. And then also like the passion to be like the second guy to be featured as a henchman in multiple films also really excites him. I, yeah. you know, I'm I, I'm with you if if the film calls for it, absolutely. Maybe maybe you can even bring him back and like a film with a new bond it'll just be like a nice callback it doesn't have to have any other relation other than the fact that mr hinks is in it it'd be a nice um, bit of, like sort of continuity saying like this is the same guy yeah oh sure yeah absolutely i mean i'd totally be okay with that but um i mean he and henry cavill can duke it out that would be that's what i want to see that's <laughs> that you know what fuck bond 25 i want to see hinks in bond 26 with henry cavill fingers crossed <laughs> um oh but yeah no i i mean it's will it happen it's a it's a coin flip. Should it happen, it really yeah. I would be okay with it. I'm not like screaming out for it, but you know, with Batista's enthusiasm, I I would like to see him maybe pop up. I w- I'd be okay with it. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So moving on to the second and last story here, uh, potential Bond villain. So this is an interesting one because we don't know where this one will go. But during an exclusive interview with The National, French-American and Moroccan actor Saeed Tagmawi revealed he expects to take on the role of the next Bond villain in 25, although the departure of Danny Boyle could drive a wedge into that plan. So Tagmawi stated, I'm supposed to do the next James Bond playing the lead bad guy. I was cast by Danny Boyle, and just now he left the project, so of course there's some uncertainty. He then went on to say, We don't know who the director will be. Well, now we do, but when this came out, he did not. And the producers don't know if they're going to go Russian or Middle East with the baddie right now. I literally just received a message saying, If they go Middle East, it's you. If they go Russian, it's someone else. It's the story of my life. Always on that line between something that could change my life and something that disappears. So, Brody, thoughts on Saeed Tagmawi playing the next Bond villain? And uh, do you think they will go with a Russian or Middle Eastern villain? This is really interesting, actually, because uh, I got a lot of thoughts on this. Um, first of all, I think he'd be great. I think he's a really cool guy. Really, cool yeah. Actor. Oh, for those of you who don't know, um, Saeed Tagmawi played um, the the Middle Eastern guy in Wonder Woman, who had yeah. the fez on. Mm-hmm. He's been in a lot of other projects as well. He's an excellent actor. He's great. Yeah, and yeah. I think um, people were screaming. Sorry, um, but yeah, no, he's an excellent actor. I think what interests me most about this story is that. Essentially, what you've got is a bit of a confirmation on what we were previously talking about. In that, okay, they had a script, and it seems like this would corroborate the idea that they had that that they had um, a script from Purvis and Wade that was retooled by Hodge, and then part of the retooling was making the bad guy Middle Eastern rather than Russian, Mm -hmm. and. They, so they cast him because they're like, we want you to be the bad guy, you're Russian, all that. And which we heard there was a, a dispute over the casting of the villain. Um, yep. Which we this heard a different name. We heard yeah. a different name and all that kind of thing. But um, this kind of lines up with that. And now that, that Danny Boyle's out, they're like, it may end up going back to Russian. Because maybe, it seems maybe Eon wanted to do a Russian villain and Danny Boyle was like, I want to do something else. And want to do Middle Eastern, yeah. So this kind of ties all that stuff, all that stuff together, which is really cool. And it actually gives me like, uh, like cause for pause, because 
if they're going, if, if if they really wanted to do a Russian villain and Danny Ball didn't want to do one, I'm I'm with I'm with Eon. I think a Russian villain too. would be great, yeah. and I it's think very topical. Would be very topical, yeah. And yeah. so I think uh, there's more um, social political like sort of relevance to yes. that pick. Whereas um, like a Middle Eastern villain feels almost a bit dated. You it know? feels very react. Like, it feels like yeah. that's an idea that was like very reactionary in like the mid two thousands after nine eleven. It yeah. feels like I, I don't really like again. You can do a Middle Eastern Bond villain. Um, you can do a Bond villain from anywhere, but it, it feels a little played out. It feels like very sort of twenty four. You know what I mean? Like oh, oh absolutely, no, Middle yeah. East, Middle East out to get us, like that kind of thing. Which yeah. hopefully, as a country, I mean, hopefully, as a, as right? A, as a world, we've sort of gotten past now. And yeah. So and I, hopefully, the the villain would have been written much less stereotypical. I mean, in in the article, course, which you can yeah. the the interview they go on with him, he talks about like the struggle of being typecast. Um, and he's yeah. very selective over like taking Middle Eastern um, characters and villains in particular. So clearly the role called for something a little less stereotypical. Otherwise, Hopefully, he yeah. would not have taken the part. Of course, uh, yeah. And I, I wouldn't put, I wouldn't like paint it like so black and white that like, oh, Danny Boyle wanted a stereotypical like jihadist villain. Um, oh yeah, no, I don't. I don't, I don't think don't that's what's going that on. I just yeah. think, um, yeah, I, you, to an extent, like, although there, yeah, as, as a sort of a, a Topic of political sort of um, relevance. Yeah, Russia is much more relevant right now than the Middle East as a region. Although it'd be a little bit more interesting too. Yeah, I think it'd be. It's more in like Bond's uh, purview as a uh, as a character rather than um, you know. I don't know. That's just me personally. Yeah, but no, I, think, I I get what you're saying. Yeah, I, I, for sure. I, I, I just I can't get it out of my head. Like if they had if they did a Middle Eastern villain, I feel like it would just be 24, which was you know, or Jack Ryan because that they well, did that yeah, recently. Exactly. You know? like, <laughs> I'm hearing Bond in like a flak jacket, like wandering around <laughs> Afghanistan. <laughs> Afghanistan. Like it's just yeah, yeah. I don't know. It feels weird. Um, I don't know. I mean, uh, who knows? Bond's you know, been as much as, before, so who knows? Right, for sure. I mean, like <laughs> as as much as I like this guy as an actor, um, and as much as it would suck for him to like land the role only to lose it, right? I and I and you know with with Fuganaga coming on, I, uh, I I don't see him remaining attached to the project, because um, like- once again, you know, Fukunaga might want someone else for the role, even if it is a Middle Eastern villain, you know. Right. Um, I think the, the the fact that he was confirmed for Boyle and now it's up in the air because Boyle's gone. I think Eon wants a Russian villain. I agree, I think, especially if you go back to the reports when he was first fired and it said it had to deal with controversy over the villain. Craig mm-hmm. de- was definitely very vocal, so maybe he wanted a Russian villain. Um, and and what that not. probably has to do with the story as well. Like, there's probably Absolutely. more so than just the casting. It's probably like. They wanted to do something very specific about Russia, and he was sort of saying, oh, "Right, let's just do it a little like different, like, taking a different direction." Yeah, exactly. Yeah. In that case, I think um, Fukunaga is probably on the same page as them because they wouldn't have hired him otherwise. Absolutely. And so I think, unfortunately, hopefully he gets a role. Maybe like if there's another role for a Middle Eastern character who is not the main Middle villain. Eastern. Yeah. This is yeah. any character in the movie who isn't the main villain. You know, or if we play a villain later on, I don't know. I'm sort of m- like mumbling my words here, but no, I'm it's very fine. Interested I, to see, you. <laughs> like, yeah, you know, for sure. I think he he like, has all the makings to be a great villain. We've seen him play great villains in the past, along with just great characters in general. Um, yeah, but as far as the question, will they go Russian or Middle Eastern? I'm going to say they go Russian, and I think you're on the same page, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that was kind of where I was going with that. Yeah. Yeah. 
<laughs> so anyways, let's move on to our final topic here. We got a lot of news topics, but um, this one is a little less concrete, but it's nonetheless um, interesting because I know the last episode we published, the last official episode, mm-hmm. um, if you guys haven't, definitely go back to the Men vs. Movies YouTube channel. Check out the little live streams we did when uh, Danny Boyle first left the project. We kind of just wanted to get you know on top of that information and just like give you our thoughts immediately. So that's why we're not covering it in this episode and it feels a little weird in the podcast feed so if you haven't you can go to those live streams and listen to our thoughts on uh, Danny Boyle's departure so anyways this one has to kind of we're we're going back to Henry Cavill so there's more rumors circulating that Henry Cavill is wanted by Eon as the next James Bond. Um, take this with the the largest grain of salt you possibly can, because I think Eon's priority, first and foremost, is getting Bond 25 completed. Uh, I, I don't even think they're, I mean, may, maybe just on the very, very back burner, they're considering the next Bond, but I think they want to get this film, you know, done to the best that it can be before they even, you know, think about doing that. But... Regardless, it's still fun to engage in these rumors. So there was a rumor uh, that emerged from Crazy Days and Nights. It's a uh, Hollywood insider gossip site, and they regularly pen blind items, which blind items are blurbs that hint at the identities of subject matter without directly naming them. And so it's since been outed that Cavill and Bond are in a uh, subsequent update. So take this as you will, but the, uh, the update says the following. The producers of this long-running franchise don't care at all about the cloud swirling around the head of this foreign-born f- former superhero. Um, this blind item came out September 13th. They want to cast him as their next replacement. And then a September 20th update reveals that the long-running franchise as Bond and the foreign-born former superhero as British actor Henry Cavill, who played the Man of Steel across DC films and, and whatnot. So, and, and this is really interesting because if you've been following the Henry Cavill drama as of late, it's been reported by like The Hollywood Reporter that Cavill is out as as Superman um, in the DC universe, I mean, he put up this cryptic video on his Instagram um, saying that it wasn't done yet, which was kind of not in line with the Hollywood Reporter ar- uh, article. And then Cavill's manager, Danny Garcia, took to Twitter and basically said the cape is still in the closet. So we really have no idea what's going on with Henry Cavill over in the DC cinematic universe. But should he be out as Clark Kent uh, Superman in the, the the DC Universe at Warner Brothers, that really does open the door for him to get into the next big franchise, which, based off of, you know, his comments, off of Eon's comments, and just, you know, the fact that he almost got the role over Daniel Craig mm-hmm. back in the day, um, it, it just kind of lends more credence to the fact that Henry Cavill could very well be the next Bond. And if you were to take these you know, blind items seriously, it looks like they want him to be their next replacement. So a lot of rumors to kind of touch on here. We'll start with this. Uh, Brody, do you believe these blind items, first of all? And second of all, um, do you think that with Cavill and this whole uh, Superman thing that it, it, it kind of 
l- paves the way for for him to to be the next James Bond. Um, I don't. I mean, like, here's the thing. I give those blind items about as much credence as I would any tabloid kind of gossip. Absolutely. As you um, should, yeah. Right, which is not a ton, but it does definitely play into this narrative that makes a lot of sense to me that they would want Henry Cavill. I think he's been someone, that, I mean, I've said this before, but he's this, he's someone that they've wanted and he's someone that makes sense for the role uh, in terms of just, there's been a lot of, he's always been sort of, in the conversation and I don't know. Yeah. I, I just sort of, I, I agree that their focus is on bond 25 right now and it a hundred percent is. Um, I, yeah. I still think they're probably, they probably do two things at once. I think they're probably still right. thinking about yeah. who they want to approach because I think if you're Eon, you've lost so much ground over the Craig era with all this legal drama, with all this like sort of everything that's gone on. I think what you want to do is be ready with a new Bond locked and loaded so that you can just start making a new Bond film after, like, you know, after the new one comes out, you can sort of, like, you know, you wait the, the however long. You wait until the, the movie's released on Blu-ray or something. And then you say, okay, and now we're going to start, like, yeah, looking for a new Bond. And you've already right. been looking for the last year or so because you're prepared. And then mm-hmm. you announce them. And then you get, like, pretty short after you start making a new Bond film. Um, and you get into this, this two month, like this two year sort of cycle. Right. I think, well, and, and, and you, you have yeah. someone like, like Henry Cavill, who, who clearly wants to be part of a franchise. You know, he loves playing Superman cause he loves the character. Um, and he enjoys being part of that franchise, but they're not using him. They're, they're underusing, criminally underusing him. Um, and then, you know, you, you get, I mean, you know, when he was on the Mission Impossible press tour, he was talking about, like, he likes Bond. I mean, there's always been, ever since he lost the role to Daniel Craig, there's always just been this Cavill uh, correspondence with Bond and whatnot. And, and I think he has reverence for that character as well. And pair that with him wanting to be part of a franchise, you get him on board as the next Bond, and I think you'll be pumping out a lot, a lot more films. Absolutely. I think he's doing The Witcher right now. I think... You get that he does that while Daniel Craig is doing Bond Twenty Five, essentially, more or less. And then once like they're both done with those projects, they're uh-huh. you know you're pretty much ready to go into something new. Um, I mean, I'm sure if the, which is successful, they'll make a season two and all that kind of thing. But um, it's a show, right? Not a movie. Yes, that the it's Witcher a, yeah, is a show. Yeah, a show, that's yeah. that's the only thing that might get in the way. But even still, like you I said, that's... I don't think it would get that much in the way, though, is the thing. Sure, like you, yeah. You do, um, if you're doing it every two years, he can just do it in, the, like, the off time he has between movies uh, while they're doing, like, pre-production or whatever. Um, I don't know. I, I feel like you've got plenty of actors who do TV and movies and whatever else. I think that's not too big of a deal to, uh, to sure. juggle. Yeah. Um, I think the Superman thing was probably the biggest roadblock. And that seems to. Be, I agree. Anyway, I think you're insane if you think he's still staying on. I think it's wishful thinking. Um, I feel like the report happened, and then his manager would rambled to yep. maintain face. Yeah, it was. They were trying to negotiate something with Warner Brothers, and Warner Brothers just said, "You know what? Fuck it. We'll just fire you. Like we don't need you." Sure. Um, I mean, but and then you look at their statement, which I have pulled up here, and they were like, "No decisions have been made regarding any upcoming Superman films, but the studio has." 
always had great respect for and a great relationship with Henry Cavill, and that remains unchanged, which basically what? says nothing. It says Absolutely nothing. It's, it's nothing. not denial. It's not, yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's literally, and, and hey, I, Warner Brothers yeah. still wants to work with this very marketable movie star, which, obviously. Yeah, sure. I mean, okay, go ahead and make some Man for Munkle sequels, but that's not going to happen. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, it, it is just, it's just like really weird. They're just like... It, you know, it's been I I don't know how many years has it been since Man of Steel came out. Well, Man of Steel came out twenty thirteen, so it's been like five or so. Yeah, which you know, it's about time for a sequel, and it doesn't look like they have any plans to make a sequel. He's just being wasted there. I don't know. I mean, he probably still likes being Superman, but he's kind of sick of being sidelined. And I'm I, I feel like the the you know his manager was on Twitter like looking at trying to use it as a negotiation tactic like you said yeah. um and this whole thing is just like it popped up and then nothing happened with it so we're still right. like just what's going on here and I don't even think like I don't even think this comes mostly from um <clears throat> cuz like, here's the thing right I mean, this is we're going to some superman talk for a second but here's right. my thing on that I think I think you'd be insane if you think Warner Brothers is willfully choosing not to use Superman. Superman is one of the most in, like profitable individual IPs within the DC franchise for them. Sure, right? Yeah. I think they want to use Superman. I think the problem is there's been such a negative reaction to the Henry Cavill Superman by the general public. You know what I mean? He is whether or not people like think of him negatively or not. People didn't like his films. You know what I mean? He's yeah, I mean, three no, for the majority three in of people, films yeah. that people did not like him in. Though I will say, like I mean, once again, it's a little bit of you know superhero talk for a second. I will <laughs> say more people have come around on Man of Steel as time progresses. For um, sure, but I think that's more like film people. I don't think general audiences even remember it. You know what I mean? No, I don't uh, know about mostly that. Mostly because but I don't think general audiences have a reason to because the DCEU has been just like a complete bust. Fair um, enough. For the general public. And so, I mean, otherwise they would have shown up. You know what I mean? Um, I think Warner Brothers is saying, okay, we need to really clean house. We don't... Superman and Batman, especially, are our two most iconic, profitable um, IPs. And their current iterations don't work. So we just have to, 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 to gain back audience trust even if we like decided oh we're gonna make henry cavill and we're gonna do superman better this time i think general audiences look at that they see henry cavill on the post and say i didn't like the last one he was in what was that called the batman well, especially one? after justice um, league yeah but even like, i i think even more so bvs i think people just because people didn't even see him in the marketing for justice league so i think yeah but they certainly that. saw that cgi'd lip well yeah but i think you essentially you um what you end up with is People saying, I don't. I remember not liking the last one he was in. I'm just not going to go see that. And yeah. even if they don't remember what film it was. I think what Warner Brothers wants to do is, okay, we'll just get a new Superman, a new Batman, you know, clean house, so that general audiences see a poster with a new Batman and go, oh, I want to go see that. Or a new Superman, and they go, oh, this seems like something different. And so it's, it's all about like gaining back that audience trust. And I think as much as they probably want to make a Superman movie, as much as they probably really like having Henry Cavill as Superman, um, as much as executives can, like you know, enjoy the filmmaking process, um, uh-huh. I think it's just not—it's not possible at this point. There's too much damage done to the brand, um, which is great because that frees up Henry Cavill to do Bond, which I, I think am is all uh, all down for. Back together yeah. in a bow. I think that's an excellent idea, an excellent career move for him, um, an excellent move for um, 
for Eon, which we were just yep. talking about this before the show, uh, and you were saying you were a bit worried about his age. Um, yeah, that was actually the next thing I wanted to get into was, you yeah. know, by the time Bond 26 comes around, it'll be like, I don't know, 2023 20, or so. And he'll, yeah. Yeah, and he'll be like 40. So it's like, will he have, you know, will the ship have sailed at that point for him to jump on and be the next Bond? For me, I'm going to say no, just because I, mean, we were talking, I was talking about this before. I think um, Daniel Craig was like 38 when he did Casino Royale, 37, right. 38. Like, I don't, and, and Henry Cavill objectively looks much younger than Daniel Craig ever has. Oh, yeah, um, I mean that's fair. Yeah, he, he just has it. like he just has like a Daniel Craig. If we're using some Bond terms, Daniel Craig is aged like Sean Connery, and Roger Henry Cavill sort of aging like Roger Moore. In that, he's oh not no, look, I would say Henry Cavill's aging like Pierce Brosnan. <laughs> Pierce Brosnan looked really old and die on the day though. I, I think does he? Like, he's, he still you looks. Look, I, and when I say Roger Moore, I don't mean like in that. Like everyone always thinks like, oh, he was super old, but. He looked super old, but he was super old. He was like approaching sixty. <laughs> like, yeah, okay. That's whereas yeah. he started playing Bond, and like he was like forty-two, and he looked like he could have been younger than Sean Connery. Yeah, um, that's so. Okay, I think that's fair. In that yeah. case, that, that's kind of the way I'm looking at it. I'm looking at it as like Henry Cavill is only really ten years younger than um Daniel Craig, give or take a couple of years, but right. he looks so much younger. Like just infinitely younger um which is kind of interesting um so i don't think the age thing is a problem i think once you get like into a rhythm of like two movies a year he could pump them out we were talking about this before as well daniel craig kind of wasted not 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 his own fault obviously but he had he's been bond for a long time and he's really only made five films when yeah it's just kind of crazy yeah number um and actually when you think about like yeah bond 23 Three just twenty six. Sorry, wouldn't be happening until like around twenty three, which is a good five years from now almost. Um, which gives him Henry Cavill plenty of time to do The Witcher, to do other little projects. Even if he was Superman in another movie, he could do that. Like, I think, I don't know. I think that the, the age thing isn't really a problem for him. Sure. Yet, yeah. if you wait a little too long, then it starts to get like. A bit yeah. silly. I mean, he would he would have to, you know, as Bond twenty five is done, they basically have to be like, boom, you're the next Bond. Let's start working on this and just start yes, pumping them I out. Think what they, they have to be very do. proactive with it. Right. I think they, they. I think they can do two things at once. I think they would sure. be silly not to be lo- at least considering other Bonds while sure. making this one. Yeah. I. I. Th- yeah. Yeah. Definitely considering, but their their full attention is most likely on twenty five. They're not going to pull a trigger on it either until afterwards. 100%. Yes. Yeah. But anyways, that is going to do it for our news segment. A lot of stuff in there, a lot of juicy topics to discuss. Let us know your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics we discussed in this segment in the comments section below of wherever you are listening to this episode. So moving on, we are going into Q Branch. This is the segment where we talk about all the other stuff going on in the world of Bond, comics, books, video games, um, apparently Funko Pops too, which is oh, <laughs> collectibles, all sorts of stuff. But anyways, uh, Brody, I'm going to pass it over to you. Take us through Q Branch. What do we have this week? Right. So I think we're going to like, we're going to be a little quick on this one. Sure. Uh, yeah. Since we were talking about, uh, we were talking about for a while there. Um, there isn't too much to digest on this one. Just a couple of little tidbits. Uh, the first tidbit is that there is a new James Bond book. Um, not a book in the way you're thinking, but there is a James Bond book. We, we've mentioned it before on the show, yep. but there is a new James Bond, um, I guess, cocktail book. Mm-hmm. So if you ever want to drink like Bond, 
then this is the book for you. It's called Shaken. And uh, it was launched maybe like 10 days ago, I think on the 10th of September. Yeah. And um, they, they basically, they launched this book. And as part of the launch, they had a little, they set up a little bar in um, Soho. And it sounded really cool. Um, that basically, this comes from the reporting at uh, MI6 um, HQ. Yeah, and they had a guy there or something. Yeah, they had a guy there, and he sort of goes through. And I recommend reading it if you're interested. I'm not going to recount his experience there. But he has sure. like a little like fun little anecdote about him being there at the launch and that kind of thing. Um, I'm just happy to get a, uh, a, a Bond-accurate... Um, cocktail Vesper, book, right? yeah. or, or yeah, just a cocktail book in general with all the drinks in there. I mean, that sounds like fucking awesome. You yeah, start exactly, making them right? yourself, and it's like it just sounds like it's really uh, kind of a cool little, yeah, little like addition to any Bond fans like sure. you know, coffee table. Uh, well, that's the other thing like is like custom- I always love, yeah. I always love like the lifestyle stuff that kind of like corresponds with the right, Bond, yeah. like like the clothing lines, the the accessories, the clones, all that good stuff. Heineken beer, apparently, but um, <laughs> yeah, right. Um, but <laughs> especially the cocktails, yeah, right. And apparently in this book, they've got you've got cool little like sort of um, novelty creations. So you've got things like, like a drink called the Blofeld or the Money Penny, that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, there's also like a launching alongside the uh, the book was a um, Ian Fleming brand British gin which mm. uh, is a new premium gin from the makers of Blackwell Rum so um, if you're uh, interested in kind of drinking what Ian Fleming would have drank if you like gin gin's kind of horrible but um, <laughs> oh come on I like gin I mean gin's fine I guess gin's fine with other stuff gin on its own is toxic <laughs> but um <laughs> like oh god I hate it but um, but yeah no it's like Again, not much to say, but if you want to check out the um, the story, there's some fun little anecdotes in there about Ian Fleming and about um, yeah. the Fleming estate and just that kind of stuff. Like, really, really cool stuff. I'll definitely pick, be picking the book up. Same, um, yeah. Might be a nice uh, Christmas present or something. Yeah, no, exactly. And, like, I think there should be... Like, I think the franchise should be focusing on doing more of this kind of, like, sort of merchandising stuff. Like, oh, absolutely. Considering yeah, I, I've always thought that they, they never put enough attention on like the lifestyle stuff yeah it's always like when the movies are coming out that's when they double down on it but really this is stuff they should be doing like you know between uh, films yeah yeah, between films during the year get get the you know notoriety up I mean people are already familiar with it but like have these little events like the you know launch of a a, a fucking drink or a cocktail (laughs) book or something like that Um, you know maybe maybe open up like a Bond inspired bar in London or something like that you see what they're doing with 007 Elements um, with the the art gallery I, I feel like there is so much room for them to like really delve into like the bond lifestyle around London. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, and so I, I love when stuff like this happens. It's great. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I, um, so yeah, that books out and I would definitely recommend picking it up. Maybe if the sales do well, they may consider making more, Bond merchandise. Not the not to strong arm you into buying merchandise, but um, <laughs> I mean, if you're a Bond fan, you probably have merchandise. So let's be honest here. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so yeah, tying into this sort of like Bond promotional tie-in kind of stuff, um, it's kind of a fun little uh, like DLC for the new Forza Horizon Four, um, mm-hmm. which they're set, they're set to release a, a DLC pack called The Best of Bond, which essentially is going to include a bunch of Bond 
vehicles um if you if you can imagine it right really really i dlc called the best of bond and they're gonna have <laughs> bond cars <laughs> which reminds me of um did you ever play 007 racing I never no, I didn't. Okay, I remember kind of it, like, but I never played it. Yeah, it was it was like it was alright. It was pretty good. I've, but I've always really liked the driving section in sex sections and all the Bond games. And I've always yeah. like, wanted there to be like a like a full version of that. Uh-huh. Um, this is about as close as we're gonna get for a while. Um, sure. But yeah, no. So if you watch, the, there's a trailer online now, um, and it'll be coming out. I think second uh, of October, and. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you basically, I think it includes the Aston Martin DB5 from Goldfinger, Thunderball, and then just makes cameos in every film since then. Yeah. <laughs> You've got the um, Aston Martin DBS from A Majesty's Secret Service. You've got the AMC Hornet hatchback from The Man with the Golden Gun. Which oh, is the yes. I especially, cool loop right, I especially loved in the trailer when they did the little um, yeah. loop-de-loop thing. I was like, oh, my God. What a wonderful, like, homage. Um, yes. It, Only thing missing was the slide whistle. <laughs> oh, I don't know if it was missing that, but mm, which yeah. I don't know if I mentioned this on the podcast before. That was actually like John Barry's fault. <laughs> like, oh, it absolutely was John Barry's yeah, fault. But still, like, 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 <laughs> recently I was listening to the soundtrack, and it wasn't like a sound effect; it was like in the score. <laughs> um, yeah, which I was no, like, what just... were you doing, John? Like, I don't know, I mean, man. That that it's movie, kind of famous. It's kind yeah. of famous, like known, like at this point that he was kind of phoning it in on the man with the golden gun he was super busy with another project and so they he just like had an obligation to do man with the golden gun so he's like okay i'll get lulu to do the song <laughs> and it'll be trash and i'll just quickly uh, put together the school it's actually got some pretty cool pieces in it but yeah, you can definitely yeah. tell he was like rushing and that's why eventually they um, for uh spy who loved me he just sort of said okay i need to take a break um, and then they got uh marvin hamlish and it became very 70s but mm-hmm, um mm-hmm. speaking of marvin hamlish and the spy who loved me you can also drive the lotus esprit oh um, nice segue there. wow right that was a killer segue that was really good one of your better ones <laughs> i will admit um uh you can also buy uh, you, buy you can also drive um the little like bug car from for your eyes only the little yellow uh not a beetle, but um, you can drive that. Um, yeah, you can you drive, can drive the Aston Martin V8 um, from the Living Daylights, which is objectively the best Bond car. <laughs> of course, I knew you were going to say that. That's the one you'd be driving the whole time. I would buy this game just for that. That car is beautiful. <laughs> like, um, and on top of that, you can also drive the BMW uh, Z8 from The World's Not Enough, the uh-huh. Aston Martin DBS from Quantum of Solace, uh, and I also think it was in Casino Royale, but... Yeah, yeah. I do think that was the same car. Um, yeah. yeah, and then you can also drive the Aston Martin DB10 from Spectre and the Jaguar CX-75 also from Spectre, which was Hink's car. Um, mm. So, a bunch of really cool cars you can drive in there. Um, you can actually sort of, uh, from what I'm reading, you can kind of use film-inspired gadgets from the cars so like you can see in the trailer like the um the lotus glides across the water like yeah so, you can have that like submarine vehicle type thing yeah i know exactly so i think that'll be fun it's not just like a cosmetic sort of addition to the to the game you can actually right. use them the way they would have been used in the movies which is um, cool like i, I cool. like that like, yeah if you're gonna if you're gonna do a bond tie-in with the with the vehicles don't just make them look like them make them operate like them you know right so um, that sounds great. I don't have 
um, Forza. I don't have an Xbox. Yeah, but, I don't have an Xbox either. So unfortunately, I won't be getting this. Um, know, but, but if you me- are an Xbox One owner and you like racing games, this is definitely you know something for you to maybe pick up. Absolutely, yeah. So if you um, so that that's coming out on the second of October, like I said before, sure. or if you pre-order um, Forza the Ultimate Edition, Forza Four Horizon Four Ultimate Edition, um, you can get it from September twenty eighth. So there you go. Yeah, perfect. So like, check that out if you uh, if you're interested in Bond cars or just you know want to dick around. Yeah, um, exactly. <laughs> and now exactly. this last story is oh yes the most griffin story to be ever yes like i mean like we've done other funko stories before but, but this one this one is like <laughs> peak griffin he sent, this me, peak he sent me. this to me as a picture on instagram and it was the most like griffin post i've ever received in my life. <laughs> um so if you haven't heard if you don't follow uh funko as i don't um but Griffin does. <laughs> I mean, I'm uh, I'm an addict. He's I'm an, an absolute addict. addict. You've seen him on film. You can see it in the background. Yeah, like, it's there. I got my little my little James Bond Goldfinger Aston Martin. Well, if one. that's not enough for you, now you can also get <laughs> from the from the famous James Bond parody franchise Austin Powers. You can now get a line oh, of yes. Austin Powers Funkos, which. Um, I'm just going to let you describe Griffin because this yeah, is really baby. your area. Yeah, <laughs> oh, baby. Oh, yes. I'm just so excited. No, I mean, like, I'm just really excited because, like, I've wanted Austin Power ones for, like, <laughs> ever. Just because, I, I, I mean, ever since the Bond ones came out, I was like, okay, they have to do Austin Powers because it's just too fucking perfect. They have, like, two variants. There's, like, one of him in blue. There's one of him in red. Um, one's, like, a GameStop exclusive. And then they have Dr. Evil with Mr. Bigglesworth um, full Felicity, and I think that's it for right now, right? I think you're right. I think it was yeah. just before, yeah. But the, anyways, they just look so good. Like, Austin's got, like, this groovy pose with, like, the, the teeth. Little, like, the mole. <laughs> yeah. Oh it's God. just, it's, I don't know. If you're a Funko collector like me, like, this is just fucking perfect. But. And they are very expressive. I think we were, I said this about the Roger Moore one. Um, oh yeah, I'm gonna the say it again. I'm gonna say yeah. it again about these ones. The eyebrows pretty much make the entire yeah. thing. Like they just, you can just yeah. tell who it is based on like the, the slightly raised eyebrow. Right, <laughs> right. And like they did with the Sean Connery one in that iconic pose. Yeah, exactly. So you got him in like sort of like doing a yeah baby pose. Um, yeah. But yeah, oh my god, it's just. It's really a not riot. Much to say on that. It's a riot. Yeah, go it pick exists. them up. They're probably out eventually. <laughs> yeah, I'm. I'm very excited. Very, very excited. But anyways, oh, that God. is about it That's for Q-Branch. Q-Branch. Um, Let us know your thoughts and opinions on any of the topics we've discussed in the comment section below of oh. wherever you are listening to this podcast. Now, Brody, I have a question. Do we want to breeze through Brother from Langley or do we want to skip Brother from Langley and move straight on to Shaken But Hurt? This is an on-the-spot decision. Let, let's just breeze through it. Like, I won't comment. You just sort of make it... Because make, I haven't really seen any of the material well, required which, for this. So you just that's fair. Sort of yeah. the, uh, I mean, I'll, I'll let you uh, delve into the second bullet point, but the first bullet point I'll just kind of give my quick thoughts on. Um, uh-huh. Yeah, so we're moving away from Bond into Tom Clancy uh, just for a moment here. Uh, if you are not familiar with the show Brother from Langley's, where we discuss the other happenings in the world of spy films. So Jack Ryan, the, the Amazon show, premiered like 
several you may weeks know him ago. As, as the shadow recruit. The shadow recruit, yes, <laughs> as they elegantly put it in the the film with Chris Pine. Film. Jack Ryan. Shadow <laughs> Jack recruit. Ryan Shadow Recruit. Wow. <laughs> thanks, guys. Jack Ryan was, oh my god. That's it's about as bad as Jack Ryan. Like that it might as well have been called Jack Ryan Jack Origins. Ryan. Origins. Um, There's like parts yes. of that movie I don't hate though. Like I really like. It's not um, bad, and I like Kenneth Branagh. I love Kenneth Branagh in it. I mean, I he's think, Kenneth Branagh oh. is literally the best part of anything you put him in. <laughs> like, um, oh but anyways, that's basically my that one word review of Jack Ryan Shadow Recruit with like Kenneth Branagh being the best part is also my one word review of Murder on the Orient Express. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. <laughs> yep, I completely agree. But we're talking about Jack Ryan, the TV series, which truthfully, I think the character and the adventures he goes on uh, lives a little bit better on a, on a TV format. I, I just feel like it works. Um, mm-hmm. And, and I, I've watched through the entire series. This isn't going to be spoilery, but I'm just going to give you my thoughts on it. I, I actually quite enjoyed it. It's light. Um, it kind of feels like uh, 24 mixed with Homeland a little bit because it's it's very I mean there's like some pretty like R-rated like Showtime stuff in there but it plays out like it's you know made for network television it's really weird and, and theoretically that shouldn't work but for me it does it kept me entertained throughout I think there's just one kind of weird and unnecessary side arc that with this like drone pilot that I'm like, why are we doing this again? Just to be socially relevant or, or politically relevant. I, I don't know, but um, I love John Krasinski as Jack Ryan. I think he does a really good job. It is really funny. The first time we see him, he's like flexing his muscles, doing some like crew, um, <laughs> which is just beyond perfect. But he's, you know, it's kind of like an intermediate between like him playing Jim and him playing the guy he played in 13 hours. He's very much the, you know, heroic badass, but he's got a little bit of personality to him. He's got nice charisma. Um, I, I will say, I think the the relationship aspect of it didn't quite work for me there. They, it actually kind of frustrated me a little bit, but it worked out a, kind of towards the end. But the, the biggest takeaway is the guy who plays the main villain. He plays this ex- extremist terrorist is so good um Mm -hmm. and not only that i think that uh the the way in which his character is written um is also very well done he's incredibly fleshed out there's like several episodes dedicated to just him and his i guess you could say origin um and, and in the first episode alone there is this really powerful opening that um you know, kind of gives him his his character a little bit of, of background. But anyways, I, I loved him. Um, it was a bit light on action. I was surprised about that. And the mm-hmm. the the climax of it didn't hit nearly as hard as I wanted. But I, I had a great time with it. I thought it was fun. Um, and I can't wait to see season two. I think this is this is a great, you know, TV, uh, you know, spy action um kind of series that I you know I, I hope it gets another season and by wow. the look of it so far I think it will yeah so those are just, that's just my quick thoughts on Jack Ryan I know it went on a little longer than I was anticipating I mean, that's but, fine yeah I mean I haven't seen it but um, yeah yeah you've intrigued me I will yeah I mean out. I definitely recommend checking it out and the episodes aren't too long and, and there's only like eight of them so oh, you yeah. know it's it's not a huge time devotion but that's not the only tom clancy news we have i think you have a, a quick story that you wanted to touch on 
Ah, uh, yeah, pretty much just that. I mean, I, I don't have all the details out in front of me, but pretty much that um, I guess this show is doing fairly well uh, and it has revived interest in like the sort of the, the expanded <laughs> Tom Clancy. Yeah, universe. for sure. Um, and so Paramount has kind of gone ahead and cast Michael B. Jordan as John Clark for an upcoming planned uh, film series based on Tom Clancy's character of the same name. Uh, John Clark, if you uh, trying to struggling to remember who he is, because it's a pretty generic name. Um, he <laughs> Just was, like every John or Tom Clancy character. Well, yeah, exactly. Um, I the, think they all begin with J's. Their first have, names all begin with J. Yeah, and they're all like the most like classic American name you can think of. Uh, yeah, like for Ryan. sure. John, they're both like both first names too, which I'm just noticing now. But um, yeah. So I think um. If you if you're trying to like scratch your mind, who is John Clark? If you've seen uh, *Clear and Present Danger*, which is actually a really really good um, Jack Ryan film, uh, he was the character Willem Dafoe played. Mm-hmm. I think he was also played by um, Lieb Shriver in um, the one with Ben Affleck. I feel like <laughs> I I always forget Ben Affleck was Jack Ryan. I like, know, right? Like, yeah, it's I, just um, mind blowing. Some of all fears. That's the yeah, one. He yeah, was uh, Leap Shriver played him in some of all fears as well. If you're yeah. familiar with that one for some reason, um, and so basically, and he's also in Rainbow Six, which um, is one of John Clancy's more famous books, and that in it became like a video game series on top of that. And so essentially, what they want to do is they want to do a two film series with Michael B. Jordan mm-hmm. so far. Uh, they want to start with Without Remorse and then follow it up with Rainbow Six, which is the most famous of the two. Um, and what's interesting about this, and like, because you mentioned there was like light on action mm-hmm. with uh, the, the, the Jack Ryan show, which mm-hmm. kind of makes sense because Jack Ryan was never really an action character in any of the books. Um, they kind of had to force him into action scenarios for the movies just because... Well, I mean, it makes sense. He's like yeah. an analyst and that yeah, he, right, like, exactly. it's thrown into this life of CIA agency. Exactly, yeah. And so I think um, like Jack Ryan in the books ends up going to become president, like, like that kind of thing. So he's on a very different um, trajectory. But to, uh, John Clark is kind of like the action the action guy of the of the two of characters yeah. and so and you, you see that play out in a story like um clear and present danger where you've got jack ryan doing his like sort of analyst stuff and then you've got john clark in the field doing field stuff yeah. and so making an action series based around him makes a lot of sense getting like getting a really like charismatic young actor like michael b jordan makes sense yeah um, i think he's a great choice yeah great choice yeah and so i think this is a really really cool um move on paramount's part who i guess they're just trying to be spy film people now um, hey i you know it's i wouldn't move. say there's a gap in the market but they're de- with the mission impossible films they're they've definitely already proven themselves in the genre exactly yeah and no, there's always room for more idea. yeah absolutely yeah and it's so like um i think and like this is what very 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 like sort of tangential and very uh, kind of um, not exactly the most credible. But, sure. Um, apparently, originally like, they've been working on this without remorse sort of adaption for a while, and it's been in development hell, and it's been kind of all over the place. Mm-hmm. But apparently, at some point, there was a um, a treatment or something that had Christopher McQuarrie's name attached to it, uh, along with Tom Clancy's. Yeah. Uh, which. Makes sense if it's with Paramount, and also um, kind of raises my interest. I mean, I know this is not very confirmed at all, 
uh, and he may not be attached to it anymore. But his name being involved in it does pique my interest, um, even if it is like a rumor. Yeah, um, yeah, especially given his track be, record with Mission Impossible and stuff. Just within the genre, yeah. yeah. The genre, so I think, yeah. Um, yeah, again, like that's just a little what if. Uh, probably probably won't pan out because it's probably his version of the story is probably long gone by now. Well, and I'm sure but, he's like, you know, just so in the Mission Impossible mindset, you know, he, I mean, hell, him and Cruz are probably going to be working on seven at some point. So, right. Yeah. And so, I, but, um, but if this is a script that had already existed that he worked on, uh, I'd be very interested to see it just because of his name alone. Yeah, for but, sure. Yeah. So that, that's kind of where. We're at with Tom Clancy news. Yep. Um, keep an eye out for that. See what happens with those. Um, yeah. And I think the fact that they've cast someone now gives me hope that they're probably going somewhere with this. Right. So, yep. And, yeah. you know, when we hear of any developments, we'll, you know, throw it in there and Brother from Langley. But of that is going to do it for Brother from Langley. Are you excited about the Rainbow Six movie series? Have you seen Jack Ryan? We want to hear about it in the comments section below of wherever you are listening. All right, moving on to our final segment of the show, our discussion Ooh. segment. Um, we've covered a lot of ground here, so we'll try and run through this as quick as we can, but we want to give you <laughs> some good material here. So, shaken but heard. Usually we play off of a topic that we've already discussed here and, you know, um, go into more just, yeah, like, you know, discussion-based kind of conversation. Yeah. And so we thought it would be fun now that uh, Kerry Fukunaga is announced and confirmed as the director of Bond 25, we decided to do a Bond 25 fantasy casting. Now, it's a little difficult to do a Bond 25 fantasy casting because it's like, okay, what are the criteria? Are we just going to go based off of people he's worked with before? Are we going to go just free reign? Um, mm -hmm. I think we're going to do a little bit of a, a mixture of both, right? Like just kind of in a more Absolutely. realistic sense, you know, who he could get. So, um, but we're definitely going to take into account Kerry Fukunaga as the director and people he's worked with in the past. And so where do you want to start, Brody, with this fantasy casting? Because we're going to do it jointly. We're not going to have our own separate list. We're going to do it jointly. We're going to give we you our a, a, fantasy a casting. So I guess, like, um, I guess, is there anyone that he's worked with before that you feel you would love to see um, him? Because so I've got someone in mind sure. that um, well, you want me to lead. Well, no, I mean, we were talking about this beforehand, but like, you know, having worked with Woody Harrelson and Matthew McConaughey, seeing them yeah. in a villainous role is, would be so interesting. I mean, I, oh, yeah. I, you know, say what you will about Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't the greatest in The Dark Tower as the villain, but I, I still think there's potential in there for him to, to play a bad guy. So Matthew McConaughey as a villain in a Bond film could be really interesting given the right material, but Woody Harrelson just yeah. makes so much sense um, as Woody well. Woody would be great, yeah. Yeah, oh, I, I mean, but both of them are, like, actors you wouldn't, like, think of when you think of a Bond villain, but, like, I mean, my God, you, you've had so many different... I mean, you've had so many different actors play Bond villains that, like, sure, why the hell not? Go for it. Exactly, yeah. No, I, and I was, I was saying this before we started, but... um. I've got this weird thing with Matthew McConaughey where I've always envisioned uh, Felix in the novels looking like. Oh, Matthew that's McConaughey. right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Which is just because like the sandy blonde hair and the kind of the, the certain features he has. I just sure. I can't unsee that. I doubt. I 100% guarantee you he's not going to be Felix. But that is just something funny that I've always sort of thought about him. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, mm -hmm. no, I'm I'm totally on board with them being uh, even if not like even as just as ally characters, just having sure, them just in something somewhere. 
Yeah, someone, someone, someone in the film. Like, I could see Woody Harrelson playing, like, Felix's supervisor or something. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> he takes over for uh, David Harbour. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I, that, that still blows my mind that he's in Quantum of Solace. It's hilarious. He has the best laugh it's, in show business in that movie. Oh, like, legitimately. Like, and that like, mustache. This, that yeah, fucking mustache. Yeah, the mustache paired with, like, the, um, like, like the schoolgirl glee that he seems oh, to yeah. laugh with. Um, yeah. Yeah, so one of my picks is actually not even a casting pick, but um, I think what I would love to see, because now, now, now that we have um, uh, Fukunaga on board, is uh-huh. I want to see um, Adam Akapur do the cinematography, because he was oh, a cinematographer okay. on um, True Detective, and he's done mm-hmm. a bunch of other really, really great stuff. He's an Australian uh, cinematographer um and he did uh, macbeth he did assassin's creed dude um, macbeth True Detective. was he's gorgeous like, looking he's got a beautiful like yeah his, his his eye is so like breathtaking seriously um, yeah and he seems to work really well with um fukunakawa did i say that right fukunakawa no it's just no, I fukunaga yeah, no, I, I, I could, <laughs> this is gonna I, be the I running gag of the show yeah i know i knew that was wrong um, I spent all this time learning how to say Villeneuve and now it's all <laughs> um, but uh, I will get better at it I swear but hey, yeah I'd love to see okay. him yeah. I would love to see him um, be the cinematographer he feels like the obvious pick um, I'm 100% down considering his relationship yeah. but yeah, I oh, that would, it would just be beautiful it'd be beautiful yeah. So. <laughs> right, right well and given the fact that every single film that that guy has shot is gorgeous. I would just yeah. love it. He but, even um, did like um, I don't know if you've seen um, um uh, Animal Kingdom. Um, uh, I've seen like enough footage from Animal Kingdom to know how good it looks, but I haven't actually yeah. seen the show. Well, yeah, he did the film version, and um, yeah, it's it's just he's again breathtaking. Sure, really is um, and be cool if it was an Australian cinematographer. I won't lie. Yeah, there you go. There, you're, there's a little neat. plug there. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna throw another name out there, Idris Elba. I think of maybe course. this could yeah. be the t- maybe this could be the opportunity um, to get Idris Elba into the franchise. Maybe not as Bond, but I and it's so weird because all my picks have to deal with villains or whatnot. But like right, Idris Elba yeah. as a villain, maybe he's another MI6 operative. That could be a fun little nod to like the fan heavy fan speculation that's been going on for years. But um, absolutely, I think in the same in the same vein, I would throw in like um uh. Why am I blanking? Michael Fassbender. Yep, he's worked uh, with him on Jane Eyre. Uh, yeah, which, and I think throwing him in as well as like another could have been Bond, but probably isn't the right age anymore. Sure. Then you could throw them in as like a supporting character, and that be like a fun little like dynamic. Yeah. Um, Hell, I mean, either of those guys. Really, all four of the people that I have mentioned, um, are including your mention of Fassbender, would be excellent villains. It's kind of yeah, it's right? just kind of crazy how that's that worked, but I could also see them as supporting characters. Probably with M- Matthew McConaughey being like the weakest choice for a villain. Probably, um, yeah. It'd be yeah. very, very like particular kind of villain. It'd be very. He'd do a great monologue. It just would never end. Um, <laughs> yeah, it just would keep going. <laughs> uh, I thought this was kind of funny. We were like, we were like, sort of sh- like literally going through everyone he worked with on True Detective, and I thought it was funny that um, he worked with um, Michelle Monaghan on True Detective. And Sean Monahan could be good. Stealing, yeah, he could be stealing Ethan Hunt's girl. I think that would be, be hilarious. Kind of, yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, Michelle Monahan would be good. Um, I'm always a big fan of Alexandra Daddario. I just don't think that oh, she yeah. um 
I, I, I don't know. I can't see her, I guess, being in a Bond film. Like, it'd be really weird for me. But, mm-hmm. like, I, agree, I, yeah. I mean, she's got I the mean, chops. I, I think the same thing about Michelle Monaghan. I was just joking about her, really. Oh, um, I know. But, you not know, that she would be bad. Fantasy obviously. casting. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, <laughs> right. I, it, it could be interesting with either of those two. Um, you know, with him having worked with them in the past. Uh, I was trying to think of someone else he worked with on. Um, shit, I'm blanking on a name. What else you got? What other what other fantasy? Oh, th- th- not necessarily someone that Kerry Fukunaga has worked with before, but you mentioned um, who would absolutely be perfect. And for Craig Swan song, hello, this needs to happen. Uh, Rachel Weisz. Yes, exactly. And that's like that's been one of the things that I've been sort of hanging on for. It'd be bring on, bring him on. And why hasn't it sword. happened yet? And is just really I my know, question. Right? Like, I mean, She's maybe, so perfect. maybe they tried and they just. Actually, that's not even true because um, I watched. Um, what was that film they did together? The house one, the haunted house one. Oh, Dream House. Dream House. Yeah, I watched that with Brian actually, <laughs> and the movie was kind of like it was actually kind of good until the end. But their chemistry was excellent. They have like I mean, because sometimes you have like couples who aren't really good on camera together, but they they like legitimately very good together on camera. Um, yeah, it just blows my mind that you have this actress of this caliber that close to the main actor, and you haven't thought to cast her. As like yeah, a- it's really mind blowing. I just, I, even even if Craig wasn't Bond, she would be such a perfect Bond girl, and she's what? age appropriate exactly. for him too. You know exactly, which would be really nice considering they like trying to like sort of do things right by women. Yeah, considering kind of the shady past they've had. Yeah, um, I think that would be really really smart. As well, doing someone who's age appropriate for Daniel Craig. Sure. Um, what if uh, What if they're looking at a, looking at a female villain? Who Who would you um, Who would be oh, a name that comes villain. to mind for you? Ah oh, man, it's always like the like the cliched list. Like I think someone like Charlize Theron would be great. Obviously, she, I mean she's always excellent as villain. She's yeah. always excellent, and she's she proven that she can be a very good like sort of mincing villain. Sure. Um, yeah. Yeah. Oh, I'm trying to think now. This is like on top of my head, like female villain. I mean, I know I wouldn't pick. I wouldn't pick um, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> yeah, she, she's like, the very cliched pick, but I also and just she's also don't, just too Hollywood for me. She's yeah, just, way just too like the face of like Hollywood. Yeah, and I remember uh, Helena Bonham Carter's name was floated around oh, too. Yeah, she would be good actually. I wouldn't be interesting. I I, I feel like that. she she's would good character actress like exactly. Yeah, she would be really fun actually. I I, I just wonder if maybe. Just know, just see, knowing her from like Tim Burton films, if that would like take me out of it a little bit, you know. I mean, I guess, but if she, if she's, if she's not doing her hair up crazy, she doesn't look like Bellatrix. Maybe yeah, that might that's be fair. Easier to like sort of believe her. I think she's very talented, and I think she is. Yeah, yeah. yeah I think like in terms of if you want to get a character actor, she's very good. Sure, and like yeah. she's very good yeah. at like sort of becoming the role, and I think that's actually a pretty interesting pick that I hadn't considered before. Mm-hmm. Um. Yeah, I, I don't know. I just think, like, also, I think we, we didn't talk about this in the news, but there was, like, a little bit of a rumor going around that um, they were thinking about bringing Madeline back, possibly. Like, yeah, Leia Sadu. I remember Leia Sadu said, she, like, was she was hinting interested. at it, yeah. Yeah, and I think that would be kind of cool. I'd um, like, I, I'd, I'm i okay either way. I'm not, like, screaming to have her back, but, course, like, if she yeah. is back, that's It'd great. It'd be nice to resolve that, that, that arc and also maybe give her some more to do like because she is a very good actress like oh she's great yeah she's brilliant and i think she didn't really get a chance to really shine in um inspector Uh so i think if you get her 
back on there. Maybe she can do more scenes with Daniel Craig. They can develop their chemistry a bit more. That might be really cool. And then also, you know, resolve an arc that was left open from the previous film. Sure. In the same vein, I would love it if they brought Blofeld back. Like, maybe not as as the lead villain, but, like, if you had, like, maybe Bond has to liaise with him in prison or something. That would be interesting. Yeah, that would be. Like, they've got, like, a connection to Spectre that they need him to sort of resolve for them, so Bond has to go visit him in prison or something. Plus, we would get to see Christoph Waltz back. Right, yeah. It's always delightful. He gets to be, like, more, like, sort of Hannibal Lecter-esque about it. Um yeah, sitting in the prison cell. Maybe not even the glass <laughs> prison. That's kind of a cliche at this point. That but, is a little cliche, but, um, you know, whatever. Yeah, but just, like, sort of do him having, like, a one-on-one with him. You can have a really good scene, um, a really good monologue, and then he doesn't have to be in the rest of the story necessarily. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that would be kind of cool, I think. Um, I'm I'm a big fan of bringing people back, if you haven't noticed. Yeah, no, I am. <laughs> Actually, that was going to be my next... The, the, to kind of close off this, this little thing. Um, who, out of all the names mentioned, who do you want as your villain? Who do you want as your Bond girl, whether romantically in, mm. involved or not? Um, obviously, we have our cinematographer because I think yes. you hit the nail on the head with him. He's fucking brilliant. Um, and you can include Blofeld as a side character. Yes. I'll, I'll, I'll allow it if that's a decision you want to have made. I think I'm going to go with Blofeld as a side character. I think I want... Again, this is like... And I, th- I was talking about this with you before. Yeah. I have been like sort of like formulating my own Bond twenty five, like sort of what I that'll want to be see. in an that'll be in an episode. That'll be an upcoming that's coming, episode. Yeah. Yes. Um. So this may conform with that a little bit. Oh yeah. But, um, um. Uh. Also, we can throw in henchmen too if you want. Oh yeah. Yeah. I want to yeah. see Jeffrey Wright back as Felix. Sure. You got you got an American director. You got to bring Felix back. Like, do it for the for your homeland. Do, do it for your, for homeland, your homeland. Um. And then I would love to see, uh, as like a sort of a um, a shadow Bond like kind of character, like a kind of like a Red Grant type villain. Uh, maybe not even not the lead villain, but like I would love to see Michael Fassbender. I th- th- just thinking about that makes I me just like want him giddy. so badly in this franchise. And like he can't like, be Bond anymore. He's too old. But it would, I would love to see him as playing like almost like a, a, a Bond's shadowy reflection. Yeah. In that, in that, it's like you, you get a vibe for what he'd be like as Bond, but at yeah. the same time he's playing a villain and it's different and that would be amazing. Sure. Bond girl-wise, I'm always a big fan of them going for someone I don't know. Um, but if I have to pick someone, I'm, I, I, I've said it before, I'm going to go with Rachel Wise. Like, yep. If, we, if we're constructing this, like this is like the most like cliched fan uh, this is the most like cliche for me fan casting. I mean, um, yeah, but you're not wrong though on a lot of. I this. mean, she'd be great, and I think it'd be weird to have her be a Bond girl with a different Bond. <laughs> like, you know, it'd what be I mean? very weird. It would be very. So, it, would, it would be pretty funny too. Like she finally becomes a Bond girl, and it's with um, it's with Sam Mendes. Sam Mendes is the new Bond. He cast himself <laughs> so that he fuck? can finally get with Rachel Weisz. <laughs> like. He's finally got a. Oh <laughs> my god! Poor Sam That's Mendes. funny. That's too but, funny. But um, yeah, no, I think that'd be really cool. Sure. Um, Who I, do you I got as your like, main villain then? Main villain, I think. Oh man, I don't know. It would be come back for me on that one. You go through yours. I'm gonna really. Come back oh, you're gonna yeah. pull that game on me. Oh, okay, yeah, you know it. <laughs> um, well, I'm, I'm going to opt out of Blofeld in mine. I feel like just Spectre has tainted him for the time being, bring him back Fair in the enough. next one. Um, I don't more want Leia like, Sidhu to come back. What's the closure of like bringing the thing? You don't want Leia Sidhu coming back? Uh, no, man. I really just want this to be like a holy, like, like very much like Skyfall and Casino Royale. We're just very, just like 
self-contained staples. I think part of me, I, I feel that. I think part of me wants like, is desperate for like, okay, this is the last one, Daniel Craig. Let's just really tie everything together in a much more sure. cohesive way than Spectre did. Like, yeah. let's really make everything have a purpose. I don't know. Yeah, Almost that's like, like a culmination, like a crescendo. Yeah, that's fair. Nice. Yeah, but no. So I'm fair. I'm not gonna bring that's back the two people from from Spectre. We're just gonna let that one be the black sheep of the of the the group. Um, and then so okay, so what do we have? We have uh, villain, Bond girl, and maybe a henchman. I feel like you have to have a henchman, but I don't want like the Dave Batista like henchman. I like I like mm. what you said, like a shadow. Of of Bond, like very much like a Red Grant. I'm I'm always a huge sucker for the I, Red Grant type character, and I, I think that, yeah. either Michael Fassbender or Idris Elba could do that role justice, and it would be a nice little tip of the hat to the you know the the fan outcry to have them as Bond. Um, so because you said Mac, Michael Fassbender, I'll go with Idris Elba for the uh, the Red Grant character. Um, nice, nice. Bond girl, I'm gonna I'm in the same boat as you, Rachel Weisz, just because she's not only an incredible actress, but why they have not been together on screen yet and there are a couple in real life just boggles my mind especially because she just has the the factor to be such like a, a great and memorable um bond girl for lack of a better words i mean i feel like she'd be more than that but mm-hmm. um especially with craig's involvement like my god I feel like if she's not the Bond girl in this film, I just... Like, He's letting her may, wife down. Maybe yeah. she doesn't want to do it. Maybe that's really what it is. Mm. Um, but yeah. Okay. And then so and then for the main villain, um, for the main villain, I'm either going to go Michael Fassbender mm. or I'm, I might take a risk and go Matthew McConaughey. Wow! Just because I feel like Woody Harrelson is the safe choice there, and or or Michael Fassbender is the safe choice, but um, but Matt, this is something about just like I, I don't know. I don't think Matthew McConaughey could do Russian very well, so this is very like <laughs> <laughs> you know. Uh, obviously, we're we're keeping Jeffrey Wright as Felix. Uh, hmm. I don't I know, so. man. Maybe that one will change. What's your pick for the villain? Oh man, so the villain. I'm like kind of like. It would depend on the kind you know what? of villain. No, I I'm, oh, yeah. I I take that back. I'm going full in. Uh, we're not <laughs> we're, scrap that. Matthew McConaughey is not going to be the villain. McConaughey can have a nice supporting role in MI6 or something <laughs> like that. We are going with Leave Schreiber for the main Ooh, villain. That's a good pick. Yeah, I like that a lot actually. He's very intimidating, and I think he can pull off being Russian. So okay, yeah. So like with mine, I was thinking like either a Russian. Is the guy's either a Russian? Or he's like kind of a um, a political agitator in league with the Russians, right? Sure. Um, but I think the, this actor could play both. What I was thinking of, and I think like just in terms of like like kind of playing like what we had going before with that description of it being like cool, like charismatic, icy, vindictive, that kind of thing. You know who I'd like to see as a Bond villain? Who? I'd like to see Cillian Murphy. Oh, what a great choice. I think he's the eyes. He would like. Just, he would just like. It would be a a battle between That's, the piercing blue eyes. Yeah. Him and what a Craig great choice. <laughs> Damn. I. That's almost m- making me regret my Leif Shriver choice. I was going more <laughs> stereotypical. You went like based off the casting description. I feel like you win. <laughs> like that's. Damn. That is a great choice. I love it. Fuck it. Q. 
Killian Murphy's the Bond villain. Right? It'd be great. I think I think it'd be a lot of fun. He like he's got and he's got so much range. I think he's been un- so he's much been range. So underserved by Hollywood. He, he Christopher Nolan is the now. only man that is giving this guy roles. Right. <laughs> Aside from like Peaky Blinders, he's yeah. so good. He's yeah. so damn good. But um, anyways, that's our Bond fantasy casting. Uh, <laughs> we gave you two instead of one. Actually, you know, no, real quick, we'll round this out. Let's do one, just based <laughs> off of all the pieces there. Uh, I'm gonna fight for the ones that I want. Okay, so let's. So we we have both of our fantasy castings. Obviously, Craig's okay. Bond. We agree on Rachel Weiss Vice as the um, Bond girl. I think that's a yep. no-brainer. Henchman, mm-hmm. you say Fastbender, I say Elba. Who do we go with? I'm happy with either, honestly. I um, because it would depend on the kind of role that he would be playing. If he's like well, a you know what? henchman, I'll, I'll make it. I'll make it simple for you because you get the villain with Killian Murphy. Idris Elba's <laughs> the the henchman. Or the, like enough. the Red Grant kind of character, because I don't want to use yeah. Henchman, this too. That'd be, yeah. Right, the heavy. He's the heavy in the film, yeah. Yeah, and then I, um, maybe Matthew McConaughey and Michael Vassbender can be MI6 <laughs> yeah, we're just goons like or something. Yeah, we A-list actors through like minor roles. Yeah, A-list. <laughs> Actually, I want, I want to add Woody Harrelson as being, I want him to be Felix's supervisor. I want Yeah, that. that's, so I'm badly. down for that, yeah. Like he's the head of, like, he's like the uh, director of the FBI, and he's like, what yeah. the hell's going on, Felix? <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, and just to kind of cap this all off, a Helena Bonham Carter is Killian Murphy's love interest. Oh, there you go. Wow, that's that's like I can see it. They've that's a weird too. couple, but it totally works. I'm I'm getting like Electra and uh, Renard vibes from that like yeah relationship, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Um, There's our Bond 25 fantasy <laughs> casting. Oh man, what a wild one! I don't know. I don't even know what kind of film would come of that, but it sounds interesting. So the most important thing is we want to hear from you. What is your Bond 25 fantasy casting? Down in the comments section below, you can be as outlandish or realistic as you like the only thing that has to remain constant is Daniel Craig as Bond. So with that, that is going to do it for this episode of The Words Are Not Enough. I think this is episode 17, yes? Wow. Look at this guy. I know, I know. (laughs) We should have way more episodes out than we do, but (laughs) unfortunately, (laughs) we we only go with, uh, you know, what's what's popping up in the, the world of Bond news, which... Doesn't have it comes in waves like we say every time it comes in it waves. Does. But well, thank you, director. Hopefully, yeah, exactly. And, yeah, uh, yeah. It, we're we're gonna call our Bond film actually. What's our Bond film called? <laughs> oh, um, our our Bond film is our Bond called, called Under the Tree. <laughs> Under the fucking pine tree. Now we're gonna bring it back full circle. Tim Allen is actually James Bond. <laughs> and with that, <laughs> thank you guys oh, for listening. Geez. No, this has been a long episode, but hopefully it um was jam-packed full of content for you uh as always brody where can everyone find you people can find me at brody saravalli on twitter um just come listen to me rant yell into the void with me yes just do it (laughs) just just tweet at him all your angry bond rants tell him how he's wrong (laughs) tell him how he's wrong to cast um killian murphy as the villain in his film well that's objectively an an incorrect opinion so i will find i'll I'll bite i'll back you up on that one (laughs) but as always guys be sure to like this video or if you're listening to this on the podcast feed be sure to give us a rating and a review seriously helps the show out helps us get noticed and helps us uh you know get feedback from you guys because we want to hear from you all we like your involvement uh be sure to subscribe to the men versus movies channel um for the latest in film and television and also we have more of these episodes on there and you can catch our live streams when we talked about the the danny boyle departure from the bond film 
25 that's untitled i don't know what i'm saying but <laughs> you can catch those live streams on the men versus movies channel as well you can also like men versus movies on facebook follow us on twitter simply by searching guess what men versus movies and lastly guys if you like me specifically and you like what i have to say you can give me a follow on twitter at griff schiller all right that's gonna do it for this episode of the words are not enough and until next time guys take care I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kennedy Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford. Hi, I'm Jimmy. And I'm Kennedy Carman. Hurry up and save at the all-new R-Town Ford. Your new choice in Randallstown. There's hundreds of new Fords with total savings to up to $12,000. Or choose 0% financing up to 72 months. It's my town. It's your town. It's R-Town Ford.